God bless you, my beloved. Hallelujah. This is Minister S.N. Crockett Jr. with Jesus Christ, our Lord Christian Fellowship, coming to you with the first installment of our weekly program, The Truth of the Gospel. The Truth of the Gospel. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We're going to come to you with our third installment of our series, Jesus and Liars. Jesus and Liars. Jesus and liars. We know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He doesn't just contain truth. He doesn't just teach truth. He is the truth. The Bible says in him dwells all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In him, he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth, and in him there is no darkness. There is no lie, which is why there's such satanic opposition to him, because Satan is the father of all liars and lies, and Jesus is the truth for he is God when Pilate asked him what is truth Pilate was confused he claimed he had power he had a little bit of political power he was a puppet of Rome he asked Jesus what is truth he had the truth the way the truth and the life standing right in front of him so we're going to continue our series tonight uh, for a little while and then whatever we don't finish tonight if the Lord allows we'll, we'll, we'll um, continue on Sunday today is February 14th happy Valentine's Day to all of you who are in love, blessed be your your, uh, your relationships. Hopefully those relationships are fruitful and that they will last. I pray that those relationships give honor and glory to the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So happy Valentine's Day to all uh, of you out there. All right, so we're going to start tonight with prayer and then we're going to go to John chapter 15 and then we'll take it from there. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you. We bless you, Lord, for you are the only true and living God. You are the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the God of all glory. Blessed be your name forever. We pray that you will help us to teach the truth to your people and that they will have a receptive heart to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the churches, Lord. We bless you and we praise you. We know that we cannot teach truth unless you open the eyes of our understanding. We pray that you will do so continually and that you will open the eyes of understanding of all those who want to know the truth of the gospel, Lord. If there are any who are not saved, we pray that by your mercy and your grace, Lord, and by your regenerating power that you will save them. And for those who are already believers in Jesus, we pray that this message and messages all over the world from teachers and preachers and evangelists and prophets and apostles, Lord, will uh, build them up in the most holy faith that's in our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom be glory, power, majesty, and dominion. Yeah. We pray that fruit and gifts of the Holy Spirit will be the result of this in all teachings, as I said, in all teachings around the world. Amen and amen. We thank you. We bless you, Lord. Let's go to John chapter 15. We left off yesterday, uh, last week, I should say last Sunday. We left off, we, we did John 14. Tonight we'll do 15. Last week we did Genesis. When we started, we did Genesis 3. We did John 14. Tonight we're going to start in John chapter 15. And in John 14 and 15 and 16, our Lord Jesus Christ is in the upper room giving his final instructions to his disciples about uh, what, what it's going to be like uh, after his crucifixion and resurrection. He's giving them instructions about how the Holy Spirit will dwell with them and be in them and comfort them, etc., he says in John 15, talking about how Jesus is the truth, he says concerning himself, he says, I am the true vine, 
He didn't say, I am a vine. He said, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Notice the unique relationship between the son, the true vine, and the father, the vine dresser. Then he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. If you know that when flowers and plants and uh, fruit start growing on a branch, it looks pretty, but sometimes the branch has to be pruned to make way for other fruit to grow. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Ooh. The Lord prunes us so that we can bear more fruit. If we bear fruit for the Lord, he will prune us. And sometimes the pruning is not, is not comfortable. It's not nice. The pruning uh, process, if you will, if we can call it that, it, it takes us sometimes out of our, I'm, I'm going to say most of the time, if not all the time, the pruning process takes us out of our comfort zone. We want to be comfortable Christians. We want to be comfortable Christians. Hallelujah. But that's not the way the Lord has ordained it. I know we've got all this technology, etc., but we, the Lord does not intend for us to always be comfortable Christians. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But every branch that bears fruit, the Lord doesn't just leave it alone. He prunes it. He cuts back, cuts off that which is not necessary, or maybe that which was useful at one time, but is no longer useful or necessary. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. And this pruning is a process. It doesn't just happen overnight. Watch this, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And that's how you became clean. You became clean in Christ because of the word of God. You heard the word of God at some time in your life and you accepted that word. And that word, the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, used that word to begin a, a sanctifying process. Because to be sanctified means to be set apart for God's holy purpose. And so when you heard the word, whenever it was, you, and you accepted the word whenever it was, then the Lord uh, used that word to begin a pruning process, a, a sanctifying process within you. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. He's speaking to people here. Of course, he's speaking to his disciples in the upper room at this time, right before he was crucified. But in the larger sense, he's speaking to people who are going to follow him in truth. Here, he's not speaking to people who don't have any intention on following him. Here he's not speaking to people who, uh, you know, just 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 don't care about the Lord or, or only want to pretend they care about the Lord. He says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. See, that's a relationship. That's a relationship that people who, who insist on living a lie, they don't have this relationship. He says, abide in me and I will abide in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. You've, you've, you've driven down the street or walked down the street and you've seen where branches were blown off or a tree has fallen because of weather or the tree was just old or whatever. And then you've come back a few weeks later and the tree is withered because it has fallen. Its roots are dead or the branch has, has fallen off from its uh, life supply from the tree. Maybe you, maybe you have driven by, maybe you take the same way to work every day, etc. And a large branch fell down at some point. And you drove by for four to six months by that same branch. 
And then eventually you drove by and all the leaves on that branch, or if there was any fruit, it's withered, it's dead. Because the branch, because of the wind, the weather, the branch was separated from its life supply. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Jesus said, you can't bear any fruit that I respect unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. And we don't always bear fruit at all at the same time. But if we abide in Jesus, we will bear much fruit for the Lord. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch. Remember that branch I told you that was broken off from the, um, from the life source? He says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. So you drive by that branch for four to six months, and at the end of four to six months, the leaves are all shriveled up because the branch was broken off from its life supply. He is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire. Did you hear that? They throw them into the fire. And they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. Now we talk about having power in prayer. You will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified. Now listen to this. This goes back to the pruning process. My father is glorified that you bear much fruit. The Lord is not pruning us so we can bear much fruit so we can get a big head and, and uh, pat ourselves on the back. The Lord is pruning us, if you go back to the beginning verses of chapter 15, the Lord is pruning us so we can bear much fruit. By this my Father is glorified, so that we can glorify the Father, and that others can glorify the Father through what they see through us. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear fruit, that you bear much, much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. You see that? And then if you go on to read the rest of the 15th chapter, he talks about how the world uh, hates us. The world hates us. The, if you're a true Christian, the world hates you. Um, I hate to bust your bubble. <laughs> if you are a true Christian, the world hates you. The world system. The world hates you because you represent the truth of God. and They represent the lie. They represent, <laughs> technically, a person who's not saved, technically, is still a child of the devil. I didn't say it, the Bible said it. Unless a person has been born again through Jesus Christ, that person is a child of the devil. That's what the scriptures teach. We, we were all created by God, but only those who have been born again are in covenant with God. We were all created by God, but only those who are saved, who have been uh, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, uh, who have been filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible even says in Romans chapter 8, if anyone has not the Spirit of, of Christ, he's none of his. This is Bible. This is Bible. This is Bible. So I, I, I showed you John chapter 15. Now let me go down to the main verse of John chapter 15. And then I'll go to John chapter 16. And then we'll see if we have any time to talk about anything else. Go to John 15, 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. The world hates you because you represent truth. The world doesn't hate you because you walk in your truth. The world hates you because you walk in the truth of the gospel. 
That's why the world hated Jesus, because he came to expose their, sh their scams. They had uh, man-made religion. They had taken the word of God and had made it none effect through their man-made traditions. And Jesus came, and because he's the light of the world, the light exposes darkness, he came and exposed all their scams. And they conspired against him and crucified him. But it was all in God's plan. He was, he was crucified for our sins, our iniquities, etc. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you, Jesus said. Don't, Jesus said, don't expect to be treated differently than I was treated. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me. I'm the template. Jesus is saying, I'm the template. I'm the pattern. If they, hate, if they spit in my face, they'll spit in your face. If they hated me, they'll hate you. If they lied on me, they'll lie on you. If they crucified me, they'll try to crucify you. If not literally, uh, rep reputationally, figuratively, metaphorically, they'll try to crucify you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. If you were of the world, the, the world would be patting you on the back. You'd be on your way to hell, but the world would be patting you on your back. If you represented a lie... That is of the world. If you were walking in your truth instead of the truth of the gospel, the world would be patting you on the back because you're going to all spend eternity in the lake of fire. But Jesus said, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. The world hates you because you represent the truth of God. The world hates you because you represent the truth of the gospel. You see that? He says, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. A servant is not greater than his Lord, or this Bible says master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they would do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. So when people per persecute you for the gospel, it's because they don't know the Father like you do. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin because Jesus came and presented the kingdom offered to them and they rejected it. Now they have no excuse. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no, other, no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled. See, Jesus was always fulfilling prophecy. This happened that the world might be, word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. It was their law. They hated me without a cause. Now, watch this. He's going he's gonna to close this chapter. And I know when the Bible was originally written, it wasn't in chapter and verse. I get that. But chapter, he's going he's gonna to close John chapter 15 by saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go away. But I'm going to send someone in my place so, so that you can continue to walk in the truth of the gospel. Because Satan, the liar, the father of all lies, he's going to attack you. Not only will he attack you, he's going to attack my church that I send you out to represent, to set up, to establish and in order for you to effectively war against Satan and his lies, I'm going to give you a counter to his lie. As much as Satan is a liar, I'm going to send you the spirit of truth. So he says in John 15, 26, but when the helper comes, so 
the King James says the comforter. I'm looking at a new King James here. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father. You hear that? Helper, the Holy Spirit. I, the Son, will send to you from the Father. There's your Holy Trinity. When the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom I, I, the Son, will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth. This is the Spirit you want. You don't want to walk in your truth. I keep making that point, but I got to keep making it. You don't want to walk in your truth. Your, for your truth is what got us in, the, in, the, in trouble in the first place. If, if, if our truth were sufficient, Jesus would, wouldn't have needed to die on, on Calvary's cruel cross. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, and this word Spirit is a capital S, meaning in the Greek is talking about the Holy Spirit. Because we all have a spirit. There's the spirit of man, but then there's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always spoken of with an uppercase S. The Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Did you hear that? The Holy Spirit will testify about me. The Bible says in Revelation 19 and 10, the testimony of Jesus, whether that word of means about or concerning, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The Holy Spirit will always point to Jesus. So when you hear, I heard, I saw where a young lady, uh, or a lady, I don't know how young she is. I saw where a lady said online the other day on Facebook, she said, don't, she said, pray for me. My family is going something. But I don't want any of you Christians praying, you know, in the name of Jesus. I don't want any of y'all praying for me. You see, that woman has bitterness in her heart concerning Jesus Christ. That wasn't, that, that, those were not statement, statements that honor Jesus. So therefore, she was not speaking by the Spirit of God. For the Holy Spirit will always, 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 point to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Jesus Christ, to point men, women, and children to Jesus Christ. And so even in our, in our preaching and teaching, Jesus Christ must be the theme, the testimony of Jesus. Revelation 19 and 10. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. All biblical prophecy, whether preaching prophecy or predictive prophecy, all biblical prophecy must have Jesus as its ultimate theme and goal. The worship of Jesus, the exaltation of Jesus, the majesty of Jesus, the person of Jesus, Jesus Christ. If you look at the writings of the apostles, I'll just give you um, one, maybe two examples. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul mentions the name of Jesus like 13 times in like the first 15 verses. Same thing as another book in the New Testament. I don't remember which one it is. It might be 1 Peter. The apostle mentions the name of Jesus repeatedly because Jesus Christ must be the predominant theme of all biblical preaching and teaching. When you, when you see teaching, when you see teaching in churches or ministries and Jesus Christ is only an afterthought, there's a problem there. When Jesus is only an afterthought, like a like you go to the supermarket and you and you get in the checkout line and then you remember that you forgot 
to pick up the eggs or the ice cream or the butter or the potato chips or the drink or the whatever and then you and then you uh you you run back to get the forgotten item when Jesus is the forgotten item who's thrown in at the end of the teaching that's problematic he's not being honored Jesus said but when the helper comes whom I will send to you from the father and he sent him on the day of Pentecost, right? The spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify, not test a lie. He will testify of me. He will be a witness concerning me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Did you hear that? You also will bear witness because in one of the qualifications, one of the qualifications of being an apostle, you had to have been with Jesus from the beginning of his ministry and you had to be a witness with him with uh, of his resurrection, of his bodily resurrection. Those were two of the qualifications of being a holy apostle, one of the foundational apostles of the New Testament church. He said, you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. But notice he says, he calls the Holy Spirit, he calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth. And so if you've been born again, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ for your um, um, eternal salvation, you have received the spirit of truth. And, and the reason we need the spirit of truth, which is the Holy Spirit, is so that we can have Jesus Christ revealed to us little by little. And so we can uh, know truth from error. Because if, if we don't know, if we don't have the truth revealed to us by the Holy Spirit, we will, we will easily be led into error, as millions of people are. They're, most of the world is not saved. You got 7 billion people in the world. Probably over 5 billion of them are not saved. Because, they're, they're because they've embraced either as a child through family tradition or whatever, they've embraced a religion that does not honor Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody's coming to the Father except by me. Jesus said, all men must honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He who honors the um, Son honors the Father who sent him. So if you have 7 billion people in the world, and if over 5 billion of them are, are um, involved in religions that don't honor our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that's very problematic. God is their final judge, but Scripture says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that nobody, that means nobody can come to the Father except through him. I know you've been told and, and high high powered celebrities, etc., are saying that you know Jesus is not the only way and that there are many ways and this and that, this, that, and the third. But the Bible, the word of God, the word, the living word of God, the word of the living God, I should say, says that Jesus Christ, it says in Acts 4 and 12, there's no other name among heaven. There's no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved but in the name of Jesus. So Jesus is the truth. And the Holy Spirit reveals that truth to us. Now we go to John chapter 16. Jesus is continuing to reveal to his disciples what's going to happen, especially after his crucifixion and resurrection. I'm going to start at John 16 and 5. But now I go away to him who sent me. Jesus is saying, I, I got to go away, boys. I got to go to the cross. I'm going to be raised from the dead. Then I'm going to go back to heaven. I'm going to ascend back to heaven at, at the Mount of Olives. 
But now I go to, away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. The Holy Spirit could not come and indwell them as long as Jesus was there with them. But if I, do, if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, listen to this, he will convict the world of sin. It is the Holy Spirit who convicts the world of, 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 of the, that they are an offense to God. That's how you got saved. The Holy Spirit convicted you of your sins. That's how I got saved. The Holy Spirit convicted me that I was a sinner. All defiled. You don't have to have deep theological knowledge to know that. Just, I'm a sinner, Lord, and you are my only hope for salvation. Without the Holy Spirit, you, you, you never would have uttered that. Lord, I'm a sinner. I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross for me and that you bodily raised him from the dead. Without the Holy Spirit, you nor I would, would have ever uttered those words because we don't have that revelation on our own. Jesus said, flesh and blood does not reveal those things to us, but my Father who is in heaven. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of the fact that Jesus Christ is the only righteousness that God accepts. Remember when Adam and Eve, we talked about this last week, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what's the first thing they did? They made uh, fig leaves, uh, they, they made like uh, aprons of fig leaves to cover their nakedness because they, they had the consciousness that they had sinned against God. The Bible says they sowed fig leaves. Let me read it to you. I'm going to read it to you so I'll, I'll get it exactly right. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, after Eve was deceived by Satan, and Adam willfully sinned, for he was not deceived, he, he sinned willfully. It says in Genesis 3, 7, after they ate the fruit, after Adam ate it, the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. That's man's first attempt to cover his sins by his own works. They ate the fruit. Their eyes were open. They, 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 they knew they were naked. But instead of not being ashamed as they were before they ate the fruit, now they were ashamed. The Bible says they sewed fig leaves together. And made themselves aprons. That was man's first attempt. It wouldn't be the last because it's still going on the day. That was man's first attempt to cover his sins by his own to cover his sins by his own devices. And and God, if if you go uh, if you if you continue to read Genesis chapter three. After God deals with the woman, the man, the man, he deals with Adam first. Then he deals with the woman, his wife. Then he deals with the serpent. Then he comes back up to the woman. Then he goes back up to Adam. Then the Bible says God made skins. God covered Adam and Eve by killing some animals, it's implied, and covering them with the skins. That, that, was, that was God's first act of redemption. 
And so that would that would eventually lead to the law of Moses, which would eventually cover sins until the time of restitution, until the time when Jesus Christ would die on the cross. So we first have man trying to cover his own sins. Then we have God covering man's sins by, by the animals. Then we have the law, where in the law animals had to be killed and blood shed. But the law, but the blood of animals cannot wash away sins of man. That was only a temporary uh, uh, solution until the time when Jesus walked the earth about 2,000 years ago and he died on the cross for our sins. And the Bible says without the shedding of blood, sins cannot be taken away. But it could not be the shedding of the animal blood because animal blood is not, is not um, moral or immoral. It's amoral. And the animal of a blood, the blood of an animal, I should say, excuse me, the blood of an animal cannot wash away the sins of a man. For man is made in the image of God. Animals are not made in the image of God. Man has a soul. There's no indication that animals have a soul. We know that man has a soul, that man has a spirit. There's no indication that animals have a soul and spirit. That God created animals, but there's no indication that, that they have a soul and a spirit. They would have no need to have one because they, they have no need for redemption, for salvation, etc. Long story short, animals... The blood, of, uh, the blood of goats and bulls and heifers, etc., says in Hebrews, could uh, only cover sins until the time that Jesus Christ came. So I said all that to say that the Holy Spirit uh, uh, convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Of judgment. He says, he says, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Who's the ruler of this world? The ruler of this world is Satan, lowercase g-o-d. Satan has a very organized kingdom. Satan's kingdom is built upon the lie, of uh, a lie, but Satan has a very powerful organized kingdom. And everybody belongs to that organized kingdom until they get saved. Let me say that again. Everybody belongs to the kingdom of Satan until they get saved. Let me say that again. Everyone belongs to the kingdom of Satan until they get saved. I'll, I'll give you two passages of scripture, scripture that prove that point. I'm going to say it again. Everyone belongs to the kingdom of Satan until they get saved. Once you get saved, you belong to the kingdom of God. And you are eternally saved. Your salvation is eternal. I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Paul is speaking to the Ephesian Christians. He's telling them about their former lifestyle and how by God's grace, mercy, and love, their former lifestyle is just that, former. Now they are accepted in the beloved. They are now, they've been translated, if you will, from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They've been They've been translated, and you've been translated, and I've been translated from the kingdom of the lying one, the liar, the father of lies. Jesus called him in John 8, 44. You've been transferred to the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2. This is Paul speaking to believers. You have he quickened. You were dead in trespasses and sins. Did you hear that? Paul is speaking 2,000 years ago, but he might as well be speaking on CNN right now. You hath he quickened. Quickened means to be made alive. That's the King James word there. 
You hath he quickened. You were dead in trespasses and sins. You were dead. I was dead. All mankind was dead. What do you mean dead? Because I'm sitting here talking, so how, how was I dead? My spirit was dead. My spirit was dead in trespasses and sins. That's why I'm saying animals don't, animals don't have a spirit. Animals have no need for redemption, for salvation. But mankind has a soul and a spirit. May your, may your body, soul, and spirit, or your spirit, soul, and body be preserved until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul told the uh, Thessalonian Christians, may your spirit, soul, and body be preserved until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So man has a spirit and a soul as well as a body. The spirit died when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. But when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, my day was May 20th, 1979. I don't know when your day was, but I'm sure you do. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your spirit um, was resurrected. That's why Jesus said in John, I believe it was in chapter 5, that all who come to me, uh, there's a resurrection. I'm paraphrasing. I'm terribly paraphrasing it. He said there will be a resurrection of all who come to me. He wasn't talking about the resurrection in the last day, although he did talk about that later. He said all who come to me, they will, they, will be re they will be resurrected, meaning spiritually speaking. I was dead on May 19th, 1979. I was dead in trespasses and sins. But on Sunday, May 20th, 1979, I was quickened. Hallelujah. The Lord quickened me. He quickened me by his word because I trusted in him for my salvation. So Paul says, you hath he quickened. You were dead in trespasses and sins. You were in the kingdom of Satan. I was in the kingdom of Satan. We were all under Satan's bondage. That's why Jesus died on the cross so that we could be delivered from that bondage. Wherein in time past, notice Paul is saying, this is how y'all were. Wherein in time past, you walked according to the course of this world. Remember before you got saved? Whatever the world did, you did it. You walked according to the course of this world. You walked according to the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan. He's the prince of the power of the air. Jesus is the prince of princes. Jesus is the prince of peace. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Satan is uh, the, the ruler over the prince that shall come. That would be the Antichrist. If you read Daniel, it talks about the prince that shall come. That's the Antichrist. Satan rules over him, but Jesus is the prince of princes. Jesus is the king of kings. Jesus is the Lord of lords. Jesus is the prince of peace. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Hallelujah. He says, you were walking according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, lowercase s. Notice the Holy Spirit is uppercase s. The Holy Spirit is God. You, you were walking according to the spirit that now, no, listen here, the spirit that now, even now, even though Paul said this 2,000 years ago, it's just as applicable for today. The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Did you hear that? Paul is speaking to these Ephesian Christians saying, this is how you were. This, this spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. That means people who are not born again among whom also we all had our conversation, which means in the King James, that means lifestyle. We all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature, we were naughty by nature, if I can use that phraseology. We, we were by nature the children of wrath. 
even as others. John, uh, I believe it was 336, if I'm not mistaken, says those who believe in the Son will be saved, but those who don't believe in him, the wrath of God abides on them. John 336, the end of John chapter 3. He says, among, all, among whom also we all had our conversation, which means lifestyle, in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. We were the children of wrath. We were hell bound. We were lake of fire and brimstone bound. We had a one-way ticket to the lake, and I don't mean a lakeside chalet. I don't mean Lakeview Terrace. We had a one-way ticket to the lake that burned with fire and brimstone. But God, Ephesians 2 and 4, here's where we shout. But God, who is rich in mercy, hallelujah to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If that doesn't excite you, then I'm talking to the wrong people. But God, who is rich in mercy. Notice, the point the apostle is making is that we were lost in sin, but God showered his mercy upon us. And it's strictly by his mercy. It's strictly by his illumination. It's strictly by his revelation. It's strictly because he opened the eyes of our understanding. It's not because of us. Peter, Jesus said to Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father who is in heaven, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love. It was love that saved us. What, what's love got to do with it, right? It was love that saved us. It was the love of God that saved us. The, the, what's the scripture? The love of God. Uh, uh, I can't remember the scripture. but Something about the love of God uh, that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Uh, through love and kindness, the Bible says, the Lord has, uh, has drawn us. It was the love of God that saved us. Even when we were dead in sins, see our spirit, I know you looked good. You looked good, but your spirit was dead before you got saved. You looked good. You smelled good. You were attractive. You attracted people. You were fun to be with. You had a nice job. You had a little money in your, in your pocket. You had a nice home, a nice car. You had a nice savings account, but you were dead. I was dead in trespasses and sins. The outward appearance is just a facade. We were dead in trespasses and sins. Even when we were dead in sins, the Lord has quickened us together with Christ. Meaning, and especially in the context of Ephesians, especially in the context of Ephesians chapter 2, we have been united with Jesus. He is the head and we are the body. And that's an eternal relationship. That relationship shall never be broken. He is the head and we are the body. And the head will never be severed from the body. Jesus is the head. We are the body. Even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace, you are saved. I like to think of grace as G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. Hallelujah. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He has washed it white as snow. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hallelujah, glory, blessed be the name of Jesus who takes away the sin of the world. Listen to what else Paul says here in Ephesians 2. He has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us. Through Jesus Christ. Then he says in verse 8. For by grace you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. See the Lord knows. He knows who, He knows us. It's like you know your children. 
the Lord knows us. He says, I'm not going to, uh, you're not going to have one uh, uh, iota of opportunity to boast. The Bible says Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Abraham could boast. He could not boast of, of having worked for his relationship with God. Abraham was justified before God, before God instituted circumcision. So Abraham could not boast that it was his circumcision that uh, uh, caused him to be accepted um, 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 in, in the eyes of God. For by grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. For by grace, you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Hallelujah. Let me read another passage of scripture to, to show you that, that Satan is the father of all lies. And that the Lord, because of his mercy and his grace, the Lord has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is there were Christians who were bringing lawsuits against their fellow Christian brethren. You've, you've seen it on TV when the church gets in an uproar. And they're upset with the pastor and, and the deacons have changed the locks on the door, that kind of thing. That was going on, you know, that's nothing new. And they're upset with the pastor and they change the locks on the door and half the congregation wants to follow the pastor and half the congregation wants the guy gone. Okay, you've seen that. Well, that, that, that happened in the Corinthian church. There were people bringing lawsuits. And Paul says, hold on, in 1 Corinthians 6. He says, hold on, how, how y'all bringing lawsuits in worldly courts? You're, you're, you're witnessing, I mean, you're destroying your witness for Jesus. He says, don't you know the saints will judge the world? And if saints will judge the world, aren't we worthy to judge these worldly matters? He says, uh, if you go to, uh, now therefore it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. He said, you're not supposed to do this. You're supposed to settle this in the church. Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated no, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brethren. Then he's going to make a point here, and this is the main point I want to make, showing how we were once in the uh, um, 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 bondage, the claws, the throes of satanic deception. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Listen to what Paul says. He says, y'all go into court against each other before worldly judges. And these people that you go into the court before, they, they won't even inherit the kingdom of God unless they become born again, unless they get saved. He says, now, I want you to think about this. He's trying to apply some logic here. The Bible is the most logical book ever written. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now he's going to give a list here. Do not be deceived, because many people are deceived then and, and now. He says, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers. He's talking about unrepentant. You, you can be any of these things, but if you repent and ask the Lord to forgive you, and he will wash you in the blood of Jesus. So he's talking about unrepentant here. Do you not uh, do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. 
when we were under the control of Satan, we were we were involved in this right here. You may not have been a homosexual, but you were something. I, I wasn't a homosexual, but I was something. In other words, before we got saved, we were in the kingdom of darkness. That's the only point that I'm trying to make. Remember, I read the Ephesians 2 passage. You hath he quickened, you were dead in trespasses and sins. Well, he, here he gives a list of those sins. It's a partial list. There's a more complete list in Romans chapter 1. I believe we talked about that list last week. He says, don't be deceived. How Y'all go into court on each other before these worldly unsaved judges and juries. He said, that they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. You are. How are you going to them to, to let them judge uh, um, spiritual matters when they themselves are not spiritual? That's his point. Do not be deceived, neither fornicators nor idolaters. Notice Paul says, do not be deceived. There's a deceiving spirit in the, in the land even today. People are being deceived because they're being told that all of these sins are not sins, that it's normal. The Bible says it's not. It's sin. Do not be deceived. And everybody's being told to be, to, to, to be politically correct, to shut up. Or you'll be labeled a homophobe, or you'll be labeled a bigot, or you'll be labeled this, or you'll be labeled that. And I believe the persecution against the church, as far as free speech is concerned, I believe it's going to get worse and worse. I can, I can see it. I'm, I'm not a prophet, but I can see it on the horizon, the persecution against the church for speaking out. Because even, even now, many churches, most churches, I'm not going to say most because I don't know that, but many churches are not, are not, are, are, have stopped speaking out against sin, especially certain sins. For various reasons, a, a, a poll was taken recently. Over fifty percent of pastors don't don't speak on on certain subjects because they don't want to offend the congregation. But how are you a prophet? In, how are you a prophet in the pulpit? And you're afraid to speak on issues such as abortion and and uh, and, and homosexuality because you're afraid you'll offend uh, your members. See, that's where money comes in and. And, uh, and you won't speak out. You know, the church is supposed to be the prophetic voice of any nation. But now because of the 501c3 rule, the, the tax law, you, you're afraid you'll lose your 501c3 nonprofit status if you, if you, if you apply your prophetic voice to, to uh, speaking truth to power to these politicians. A lot of churches have abandoned that. They've, they've, they've become tax-exempt social clubs. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor idolaters, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves. So it's not just an indictment of LGBTQ, it's an indictment of sin. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners. Extortioners, that would include you know, the mafia, gangbangers people who extort they would not inherit the kingdom of God unless they unless they repent for the kingdom is at hand the kingdom of God is at hand and such were some of you he says these people would not inherit the kingdom of God listen to what Paul says such were w-e-r-w-e-r-e -E -E, such were some of you you were in the kingdom of the liar you were in the kingdom of the evil one such were some of you listen to what he says here you were washed, hallelujah, to the Lamb of God. You were washed. You were washed. God's Word washed you. The blood of Jesus washed you. You were sanctified. You were set apart for God's holy purpose. Every Christian is a saint. 
You don't have to be dead for 400 years to be declared a saint. Every Christian is a saint. The moment you accept Jesus Christ, you become a hagios. That's a Greek word for a holy one. You become a saint. The moment you, the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you become a holy one. You were sanctified. You were set apart for God's holy purpose. But you were, and, but you were justified. Hallelujah. You were justified by faith in Jesus. Just as if we had never sinned. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Please take this truth with you. And then you study and, 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 and expand on it. You were justified in the name of, of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. We, you, we, not you, we were in the kingdom of the liar. We were living a lie. We were dead in trespasses and sins. We were blind. We were blinded to the truth. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, for by grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense, for by grace we are saved. Glory to the Lamb of God. Glory to the Lamb of God. Glory to the Lamb of God. Let me, let me give you one more passage of scripture, and then I'll come to you again on Sunday. The next passage is in 2 Corinthians. I just read to you from 1 Corinthians. This next passage is in 2 Corinthians. Same apostle, same church. Apostle Paul, Corinthian uh, believers. Listen to what Paul says. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. We don't give up. We don't become faint. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. The job of the preacher, the teacher, is to commend him or herself to your conscience. Because it, it, it is the decision you make in your conscience, which is where your will is. Your will is in your conscience. Or you could say your conscience is in your will. You have to make a decision to accept Jesus Christ. To, you, you, Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, I don't want to drink this cup of suffering. Nevertheless, not as I will, Father, but as you will. So uh, humans have a will. We have a conscience. And you have to make a conscious, you've you, you probably heard people say, you have to make a conscious decision. You have to make a conscious decision to walk with Jesus. Jesus said to the man at the pool of Bethesda, do you want to get better? Suppose he had said, no, I'm fine. Jesus would have said, okay, hasta la vista. Vaya con Dios. Bye. He said, do you want to get better? And then the man had a bunch of excuses and Jesus healed him. Then later Jesus found him in the temple. He healed him, but then he found him later and said, uh, it's very important that you, uh, that you like, I healed you now physically, but it's very important that your life, that you turn your life around uh, or worse things going to come upon you. This man had been crippled for 38 years. That's like a death sentence. This man had been crippled for like 38 years. He was at the pool of Bethesda and an angel would come down at a certain season from heaven and dip and, 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 and dip its foot or whatever in the water. And whoever went into the water first after that would be automatically healed by the Lord. And the man said, every time I try to get into the pool, somebody gets in front of me. So he was really a victim of social injustice, if you will. Jesus said, okay, it's all good. Do you want to get better? And that's when the man began to give his uh, life story. Jesus healed him physically. 
But then he found him and said, okay, you've been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. So now as I read this right here, Jesus said, uh, Paul said, we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. But by manifestation of the truth, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And that's all I do when I teach to you in, on, on Friday evenings and Sunday mornings, or when the reverend, or the bishop, or the apostle, the prophet, whoever, preaches or teaches to you on Sunday morning or Wednesday, they are commending themselves to your conscience. They are beseeching you to conform your will to the will of God. Paul says, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even, now here's the, here's, the, here's the point I want to make and then I'm going to close. But even if our gospel is veiled, or the King James would say, if our gospel is hidden, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God, lowercase g-o-d, Satan, the prince of the power of the air, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. You hear that? But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Satan has blinded people. He's the God of this age. He's not the God of eternity. He's the God of this age. That means his kingdom is very temporary. He's the God of this age. The God of this world is the King James. So it's probably the Greek word is probably cosmos. The God of this world, the God of this age has blinded the minds of those, listen, who do not believe. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, meaning they're on their way to hell. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Who do not believe. So there's a personal responsibility here. I'm not going to do it tonight. I wanted to, but I'll do it Sunday, Lord willing. The parable of the sower. In the parable of the sower, the first seed was sown on, on, uh, on, uh, on stony ground. I'll talk more about that Sunday, but it, it shows how the human will, you have to make a decision to accept God's word. And when you don't accept God's word, the Bible says in the parable of the sower, Satan comes immediately and snatches the word off, snatches the word off the person's heart. That's the seed. I'm sorry, that was the seed sown by the wayside. We'll talk about that, Lord willing, on Sunday morning. The God of this age has blinded those who do not believe, listen, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Jesus is the visible representation of the invisible God should shine on them. He says in, in uh, a few verses down, well, he says down here in verse 6, he says the same light that God used, when, when he said, let, the, let there be light in Genesis or chapter 1, he said it's that same light. It's the same light that shines in our hearts to give us the knowledge of the glory of God, uh, uh, glory of, of Jesus Christ. Paul says, uh, let me go back one more time, then I'll close. Paul says, even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, lest the light of the gospel, the good news, 
That's why Satan fights the gospels. Satan doesn't mind a church that all, all that church they 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 sing, they sing, they sing, they sing in this worship. That's good. They sing, they sing, they talk about you know this report and that report and this event coming up and this this deacon anniversary coming up, and then the word comes forth for three minutes. Satan Satan he applauds that. Satan fights the gospel. He fights the word of God. He fights the word of God. Wherever the word of God is coming forth with power, he fights it. He hates it. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe. People don't believe. They, they don't want to believe. They don't want to believe. They, they rather, the Bible says they rather live in darkness. They love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Pete Buttigieg, he said he's a believer in Jesus. But he cannot justify his lifestyle by scripture. He says, my faith tradition. You, you will never hear Pete Buttigieg say, the Bible says that I can be married to another man. He says, my faith tradition. And that's, that, that, that's a lie in itself because tradition can never take precedence over God's word. He says, my faith tradition. You, never, you will never hear Buttigieg say, well, 1 Corinthians 6.2 says, or Romans 4.6 says, or John 18.5 says, I'm justified in sleeping and, and, and waking up to a, next to another man every morning. Because there is no biblical justification. And he says he's a believer in Jesus, that he's a, he's a Christian. But he says, my faith tradition. But remember, who, who were the biggest enemies of Jesus when he walked the earth? Those who held to the traditions of men and not to the word of God. Let's close right here. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Paul says we don't preach ourselves. Paul says we don't preach ourselves. But Christ Jesus, because Paul said, if, if we preached ourselves, the Holy Spirit would not be moving the way he's moving. Because the Holy Spirit, I told you a little while ago, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, he shall testify of me, not of the apostles. The Holy Spirit's going to point people to me, not to the apostles. So Paul says, we don't preach ourselves. We preach Christ Jesus, the Lord. That shows right there. They were under the influence of the Holy Spirit. They were being led by the Holy Spirit. And ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. Now listen to this verse right here, then we'll close. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. He, he goes back to Genesis. Let there be light, right? Who has shown in our hearts. That's how you got saved. You got saved because that same light where God said, let there be light. That's Shekinah glory. The Shekinah glory, the same light where God said, let there be light, and there was light. That same light, Paul said, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The same light, Genesis 1 and 1, let there be light. In the beginning, was the, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was uh, in uh, void and in darkness, and uh, there was chaos, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Paul says right here, same light. Hallelujah to the Lamb. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. Remember you were in darkness? Remember I was in darkness? You were in darkness. Remember remember the abortions and all the 
getting drunk and, and, and not knowing what bed you're going to you know, wake up in and, and all the drug abuse, the substance abuse and all the adultery and all the, 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 you remember that? Yeah. And then Jesus, because of his grace and mercy, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense, the Lord saved you and saved me. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face 